Welcome back, everyone, to Archer Cast number 169. The last episode we had there was with Jamie Stokes. Jamie and I um, sort of bonded over the fact at Nuffield that we're both scared of ties. Um, now, I did wear my Nuffield tie after getting it, but Jamie definitely didn't not, did not. And the day we went to our sort of dinner on the Wednesday, halfway through it, um, 400 folk all in a room, fancy dinner, all this sort of stuff, uh, I was quite excited to see if Jamie had a tie on. He didn't, but we did have some magnificent shoes. Now, I'm taking away from Jamie in general in that all he has is magnificent shoes because that's absolutely not the case. He's a car enthusiast. He has been not a factor, but a sort of mediator stroke consultant. I don't really know exactly what the exact term was for various National Trust, various crown farms um, over the years. And he's now came home to his um, thousand hectare animal farm where he sort of operated as manager uh, alongside his two cousins. Um, so... Yeah, that's his story before he's looked at Nuffield. One other thing, we spoke about a lot, he talked a lot about mental health and his struggles and why we should be more open about it. And yeah, it's one of those podcasts you'll just think, this is just a nice guy, is, is sort of how it goes. Um, he's now looking at Nuffield. <clears throat> um, uh, he is trying to look at how we can implement vertical farming in a sort of large-scale side of things over here in the UK. He doesn't think it's possible, but it, it basically came from the fact he's got this one little field that isn't really doing anything. He has to harvest it, but it just causes him bother. It doesn't really make him money. And then he looks at people with a little porter cabin, which has terms, and they're making thousands. And he's like, well, why don't I do this for a thousand hectares? And I was like, you'd be a billionaire. There's got to be a reason why other folk aren't doing it. That's what he's looking at. The next episode we'll have will be an all-in series um, with Stevie Nickel. Uh, so a lot of you will maybe heard his name. A lot of you will definitely know a lot of the stuff he's won. So um, Stevie Nicol was part of the sort of 1980s Liverpool team. He was the young right back. Um, he has won a European Cup. So this is going to be quite fun to talk to. I haven't interviewed him yet. Um, but yeah, that's the next episode uh, on, on the R2Cast. But today's episode is again another one of that Nuffield cohort. Can I just say I am not sponsored by Nuffield. <laughs> I'm doing this because I want to. Uh, yeah, um, the uh, the Nuffield cohort that I spent my time down in Exeter with, and we'll be going to London in, yeah, is that just two and a half months? Not even two and a half months. Yeah, it's flying by. Yeah, man, it's not, it's not, it's quick, eh? Um, London and Brazil, uh, which will be fun, and then we'll sort of all go our separate ways for a couple of years before meeting at the conference again. Um, but we have another one of those folk today, and that Never say folk is a weird word. One of that that person today is Tom Scrope. Tom, would you like to say hello? Hi, nice to uh, chat with you, us. Just before we get started with another episode of the R2 Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as A Plan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space, with over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. Ah, looking forward to this, looking forward to this. And it is Scrope, isn't it? I've said that right. Yeah, Scrope, Scrope, however you want to say it. <laughs> I don't want to hear. I just want to say it correctly. And what I will say for everyone listening, you won't know this, um, but we actually have Tom's, what I believe to be AI note taker. For those that listen to Food and Farming Side solely, AI, artificial intelligence, not what you're thinking. Um, that would be very confusing in the Zoom call. So we're quite interested to see at the end of the day or the end of the episode if um, 
It has understood my Scottish accent. Has it said anything that made sense? Has it actually taken some useful <laughs> notes, uh, or has it just said inaudible for 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 some time? Um, but uh, another thing I want to mention before I forget that you guys can't see because it's all audio. Tom's life is soil, which I'm sure we're going to get into. Uh, Thanks, Wallace. We- what a what a what a, what a <laughs> way We'll give him that. I don't be like that. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, yeah, maybe if. Nah, 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 I think this is good. Um, <laughs> I'm Tom at the minute is a massive, and I mean massive, like almost to scale one-to-one um, of, of the United States, just a soil map of the US. So, I mean, if that's not typical of what sort of Tom's now that we've just classified life as, uh, then I don't know what is. But Tom, for, for, for those listening, could you give everyone a bit of background about yourself? It's, it's always quite interesting to hear about what a, what a young Tom was doing. What was a young Yeah, well, you just caught me out. I'm uh, a massive soil nerd as, uh, <laughs> as my choice in artwork. Um, yeah, probably makes clear. Um, yeah, okay. So um, the kind of background, I, I grew up in uh, North Yorkshire, just on the edge of the North York Moors. Um, where my parents still are um sort of yeah definitely not a farmer but kind of grew up on the edge of that kind of farming world two of my uncles farm quite a lot of my cousins it's kind of a world I knew but wasn't not not a farmer myself um and then went away to university studied philosophy kind of completely different not really thinking about food or farming or anything like that um, when I was at uni, I ran a little business. Um, we, we kind of hired out clothes to other students for the kind of fancy summer balls. And um, it was a great little business, actually. It was just for sort of beer money. But um, it kind of caught the bug for, I guess, running a company. And yeah, just that, that idea of selling stuff that people want is incredibly satisfying. Um, and so kind of thought, might want to do that again at some point in the future, start a company, but you know, there's not many kind of philosophy startups. So um had to sort of <laughs> go and try and do something a bit more useful. So I went and trained as an accountant in London at um, KPMG, which is a big accountancy firm. Um, and that takes three years. You sort of do your exams while you're working. Um, so that was, yeah, three more years of studying and sort of commuting into Canary Wharf, you know, the big glass towers and everything in London. And after three years of that, I think I was pretty done with um, a yeah commuting in and, and being in London and kind of away from from my kind of roots in in Yorkshire. And also, I've been kind of thinking during that time. Okay, st- still have this idea. I want to run a company at some point. Kind of at least I should narrow down into a kind of a sector I'm a bit more interested in. Um, and. Yeah, just was, I don't know if it was speaking with cousins or what it was, but kind of got more and more interested in kind of food farming and particularly this kind of massive question, which is, you know, a lot of what a lot of Nuffields are looking into broadly, which is how can we feed a growing population while sort of taking our foot off the planet a little bit? Um, and so it was, I, I ended up, I handed in my notice a week after finishing my last accountancy exam went and joined an Irish kind of, um, I guess a kind of agri-tech sort of company. We sold, uh, among other things, biofertilizers, so kind of bacterial soil amendments. Um, and yeah, didn't know a huge amount about soil at the time other than that it was important. As I say, it was just interested in kind of food and farming and how we could do it more sustainably in general. Um, and yeah, through this job, kind of fell down the rabbit hole of, of soil in particular, 
Um, all our products were, as I say, all around trying to improve soil health. That was why farmers wanted to to look into them and buy them. Um, and I joined the British Society of Soil Science, which definitely happy to plug. You should all join. It's it's um, it's an amazing organisation of of the sort of people who buy soil maps and and put them on their walls. Um, and I met my now co-founder uh, Ben there, um, and. During I was there at that company for about two years. It was during COVID, uh, broadly. So I, I started that job three days before the first lockdown, which was good timing. Um, so a lot of that remote. Um, but as I say, yeah, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole of soil, and particularly got really interested in the idea of. There seemed to be lots of people with good ideas there about um, about soils and people who have tried lots of new things that are working for them. Um, but these ideas often don't seem to be shared. There's loads of farmers who keep on trying to kind of reinvent the wheel and got more and more interested in how can we kind of share um good ideas about soil more widely kpmg i'd done a lot of um i guess kind of data work we the way you um do accountancy and audit for big companies now is is basically a lot of um data analytics on a computer you're not sort of sitting there ticking off invoices anymore um, and so I just, yeah, came more and more interested in that idea of data and could that be used to help people look after their soils better. Ben, my co-founder, is a soil scientist. He was at the James Hutton, which is a big research institute um, up near Aberdeen. Um, and he was kind of doing that sort of stuff like data analytics for soil there. But in an academic context, what they're always missing is kind of data and examples. You know, they have a few trials I don't know if you know this from your kind of academic side, but what they struggle to get is engagement with kind of real life farmers at scale. And so that was really the idea behind the business that we now run together, which is called Soil Benchmark. Um, the original idea was, was simply, could we um, use the sort of data that farmers have on their soils and kind of data analytics techniques, big data ideas to help them look after their soil better? We didn't really have much more of an idea about what we were going to do, but we i don't know what we were thinking of crazy quitting our jobs and starting a, a company about 18 months ago now so like mid 2022 and um yeah that's that's kind of how i got to into soil basically you can tell that you tried a podcast because you're good at covering things <laughs> <laughs> now i've got to try and find a way to find things to go into now as if you haven't given me enough i have to start with one thing we have had one person on the food and farming series before with a degree in philosophy well i think it was actually anthropological philosophy okay which i'm going to be honest as someone that knows nothing about anthropology or philosophy i thought all philosophy would be anthropological philosophy because we are people but anyway um, interesting well a lot of philosophy is pretty abstract and not about people at all it's sort of closer to maths than to than okay. to to anything too personal but you're right stuff like ethics is yeah, you know, trying to work out what's a moral decision is quite linked to people and how they think. But stuff about logic and how can you reason and what's a valid argument, that's that's very high level, almost like maths or physics more than more oh, psychology. So yeah, philosophy is just how to think well, really. It's, it covers a huge range of, of things. And I actually, my degree title was actually philosophy and theology. So a lot of what I was looking into was kind of religion and all the kind of philosophical thoughts that gone into about that so um is there a god why does evil exist all that sort of pretty high level pretty high well, level let's, stuff let's get, let's get into this and the reason i say it is this is a uh, is not a degree at all as a podcast a very different thing as a lecture i should know that um as this is a, a a podcast on food and farming 
but that that episode in particular, which is insane to think, almost a hundred episodes ago, this is one six nine. It was seventy two. If you want to go listen to it, James Edwards, you might have seen him on Instagram under JJ Livestock. I got in touch because um, I'd basically seen he didn't own sheep, and then he owned eight thousand. Like four years later, I was like, that's a cool story. And for forty eight minutes, we spoke about philosophy. <laughs> I didn't understand that's... anything. But I'm going to now ask you, in your opinion, is there a god? Oh, that's uh, that's an interesting one. Um, I, I guess I don't really know. This is a classic philosopher's answer. It kind of depends what you mean by God. Um, and um, yeah, I don't really know is the, the short answer. I'm certainly um, yeah, not not up to giving out um, kind of religious <laughs> teaching. Maybe, yeah, I'm not sure starting a super cult or anything is, <laughs> is my, my next business. But um, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, there's no, there's no right answer, is there, to that question? I mean, if there, if there was, everyone would either be in a church or, a, or a mosque or a synagogue, or, or wouldn't be. So, I think it for sure, yeah, it's an interesting one though, um, because I mean, I think it was actually the last episode. I think it was with Jamie. Um, I'm not religious at all. My issue isn't directly with religion; it's with the idea of worship. Mm. Like this, and and I, we talk about football. I spoke about football at the start of the episode. I know people that worship football teams to the mm. point of pretty it's sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, yeah, I, f- I find that I- I'm not going to say I find the philosophy around that interesting because I don't really know what it is. But um, what, yeah. what do you object to about worship? Sorry, what's that? What do you object to about worship? I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. So I think it's based on one thing and feel free to, I don't think the answer's correct to me because I don't think that's right here, but feel free to say what you think about what I see here. But if you worship someone, something, be that, you know, uh, an actual person or... Mm for those that think there's a god that's real or say there is a god that's real worship that thing to the point that well worship means it's it's all encompassing my head if you worship something everything they do is right you should follow them with everything Mm. i think that's dangerous i think you become not yourself i think you albeit you can make decisions yourself you choose to follow something else Mm -hmm. because it said or it feel or or you feel like it's saying that that's what's to happen um and i think it yeah. sort of removes individuality and just sort of creates a sort yeah, of sca- I, an automaton you know. that just follows follows rules yeah it's it's yeah. an interesting one i think there's there's kind of two sides of a coin and maybe it's 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 kind of it's the extremes that that, that we wouldn't like i think the the potential benefit of of something like worship is almost comes from I don't know, it's like humility if you know what I mean it's like accepting that there's something outside yourself and that that you're not the center of the universe I think is is quite a good thing for people to feel obviously when that becomes slavish devotion and kind of brainless following of orders that's probably not so great but I think somewhere in the middle there's there's probably not an unhappy medium I think that's fair I just don't think you need to go as far as worship uh, you can see a lot uh, again of- depends what you mean by the word worship then 
True. God, you're, you've definitely got Sorry, I, I clearly <laughs> had this drummed into me for too long. That's really interesting. What, what made you choose that uh, degree at first? Was that straight out of school, yeah? Um, I did a, did a year between, between school and um, university. Um, I'd actually originally applied to study um, politics and philosophy and then um, didn't get in and changed my, um, changed my application to philosophy and, and theology. Um, I think I was, I, I had, as you could probably tell from my kind of intro earlier, absolutely no idea what I wanted to do um, or be. And so I think someone just said, if you, if you, you know, if you're not going to go and study medicine or, you know, something very targeted at career, just do something you're interested in um, for three years and you'll kind of work it out. So that's what I did. It was just something that I found really interesting. Um, I think it changed the way that I think it probably made me incredibly annoying to argue to and saying things like it depends what you mean by worship. But um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really aimed at a career or, I don't know what you do with a philosophy degree, become a monk or something. I mean, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't any career trajectory I had with it. Just something I thought was going to be interesting for a few years. And, and I loved it. It was great. I don't think it's annoying, by the way. I think I'm very much more a discusser than an arguer. Um, mm. I, uh, I like, you almost sort of find yourself playing the devil's advocate to try and consider more things. I don't like the term devil's advocate. I feel like it's a cheap business term to make people be annoying. But like, uh, I think in general, it's a, it's a good way to be sort of considered. Well, what does worship mean then? <laughs> you know, what, what do you mean by that? that now I, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I think I knew what I meant, what meant by worship two minutes ago, but is it what I mean? You know, it's, it's a good way because it just makes you think more and more and more. Um, and then obviously, you know, after that, uh, you you found yourself, you went from philosophy thinking, not sure where you want to be, and you found yourself wanting to be an accountant. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not sure I'd do that for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Would I myself being an accountant. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure and as we'll come into sort of soil bench is it soil benchmark or soil benchmarker soil benchmark benchmark um as we um as we sort of come into that i'm guessing both those sort of side careers academia come into that because my understanding of it is it, is it like a database of the the sort of farm data you can gather to then work with each other it's almost like creating a sort of basis for like a monitor um is that what it is or am i misunderstanding it's, no um, that that probably is is kind of what our initial idea when before we before we really had a business we thought it was going to be something along those lines um it's actually turned out to be something a little bit different still in the same kind of mode but i'm very happy to go into it but yeah it's 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 ended up being a being a little bit different than our initial kind of idea of what the business would be yeah it would be good to get into that one thing i kind of want to know is are you and ben very similar or are you very different i hope we're complementary i think we definitely have different things that we're good at temperamentally um i think we may be both relatively similar i'm probably ben probably a little more risk averse than i am which i think is quite useful um in terms of skill sets, definitely we we um, both bring different things to business. I I definitely couldn't do it without Ben. Um, I don't know if you say the same. I hope he would. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he has the kind of technical skills, both from a coding and a soil science perspective, that that I definitely do not. Um, I've sort of self-taught about soils, but not. I'm not certainly not a soil scientist like he is, or, or an agronomist, or anything like that. 
Um, I probably from the accountancy have um, just more experience in, you know, kind of fundraising and cash flow and, and running a business side of, of things than Ben came straight out of academia. So a lot of that's been quite new to him. Um, and I guess that fits, but I'm the CEO and he's the chief science officer, the CSO. So yeah, yeah. our roles kind of fit, hopefully our, our skill sets. And it's quite interesting that, because like you go to, um, it was a conference you said you made, wasn't it? Uh, or maybe Yeah, at this at this British Society of Soil Science conference, BS Cubed, they call it. BS Cubed. BSSSS, whatever it is. I love that. Yeah. Why can't we call it the S cubed I when you're talking about a triple SI? Because I hate saying SSSI or site of specific scientific interest. Yeah, exactly. You're right. We need to start a campaign. You saw on there, you're pretty cool, man. You're bringing in I was triple SI. Say- I think we, I yeah, gets talked about quite a lot. So yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> the way that's that's called on triple SI, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you've 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 met this person at a conference, right? I, I can. You know, even you and I sort of had a minor chat about something at the conference that we don't need to get into, but I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point. But how how does that happen? You meet someone at a conference and then you're like, oh, we're going to start a business together. Is that, was that a very long process or was that over the course of it definitely Yeah, it definitely wasn't, wasn't like that. It was, um, yeah, we were just chatting and I had this initial idea, as I was saying before, about there's got to be better ways of sharing ideas around soil management and using data on farm and ben and i were kind of chatting about it as i definitely chatted with other people at that conference about it as well um and we got an initial kind of grant from defra that the kind of um english ag um agency the kind of government agency um government department uh, so that kind of got us started and then we got some money from ordnance survey and i sort of thought oh well we've got this money I probably need to quit my job and actually do this full time. Um, and so I was then pretty sure that I couldn't do this on my own. Like I was saying earlier, I definitely don't have the kind of complete skill set that you need just from a technical perspective of being able to build software, write code, and really have a kind of deep understanding and credibility around soils. And so, yeah, I was kind of looking for a soil scientist to find and I even put literally a job I'd advert out saying someone want to come and start a business with me um we've got kind of grant money from the government but we don't really know exactly what we're building so it's probably kind of unappetizing uh, offer and um i was getting in touch with people i'd met and i got ben and i had like been catching up every few months and i got in touch with him i said look i've got this advert can you like just pass it around if you know anyone at you know you any soil scientists just like, can you, you know, put it on your LinkedIn or just post it, see if see if someone comes across. And Ben was like, uh, oh, actually, it sounds pretty interesting. I'm th- thinking of leaving my job anyway. I might apply. Um, and so it kind of, yeah, just went from there. And he was like a million miles better than um, the other people. And he was the one person I really wanted to start a business with. All the others, I was, I was a bit sort of um, not sure that I wanted to spend the next how many years of my life Um <laughs> spending far too much time talking to you probably um but but yeah it's been a great choice and um yeah we certainly wouldn't be where we are today without ben and and i don't mean have a business without him to be honest so it's um yeah no it's been that's been one of the luckiest breaks of of it all maybe a simpler process for someone like yourself tom but what's um what's applying for government funding like is that difficult Uh, time consuming (laughs) um 
quite repetitive. Um, you definitely kind of get used to the how it how it works. Um, I yeah, my I don't know if this is a, a platform for advice, but if anyone is thinking of it, the only thing I would say is do, don't don't change what you want to do to meet a grant. Go and you know have an idea of what you want to do anyway, and if the grant will give you kind of free money for doing what you want to do anyway, go for it. Great, you've probably got more chance of getting it. And it's more useful. I definitely have seen people kind of holding up their whole business or changing their whole business just to try and fit into a government grant. And that, I think that's pretty crazy. And A, you're less like you're likely to waste all your time writing the application and they'll kind of see through it that this is not really relevant for your business. Or even worse, potentially, you get the money and then you have to go off on this tangent and waste a load of time doing something that is a bit of a dead end. So um, that's the only thing I would say is try and make sure the money is just pushing you along the path you would go along anyway faster rather than changing what you're doing it's probably pretty good advice that because i mean like <laughs> i not the same thing but maybe more down ben's route one thing i see is you know i did a master's and and that was fine and then my partner at the time done a phd mm. i was like oh well i better do that then <laughs> now I now have an idea for a PhD. I've kind of written a draft proposal, all this sort of stuff. But at that point, I went to PhD conferences, like looking for a PhD. Mm. And I was like, this is not how this should go. Um, I yeah, should and you'll go. spend three or four years doing something you might not be that interested in just because the funding is there. Yeah, and, and, and let's be serious. It's not much money. You know, <laughs> you're making the three years what you would do in a normal job in a year. Yeah, It's madness, that sort of... Farmers do it as well, you know, sort of subsidies drive incentive, uh, like, you know, aiming for something, um, which to a point makes sense. But you see folk completely changing what they've done for some time for no reason apart from that one, two, three or ten year thing, you know. I think a little bit. I, yeah, that's an interesting observation. I um, I feel like in, in England, which is where I kind of have most um, experience and knowledge about, there's this new SFI scheme. And I feel like a lot of the take up has been actually farmers being paid for doing stuff they were already doing. Yeah. Um, and so, and maybe that's what the government should be paying for is encouraging more people to be doing those sort of actions and making sure that people who are doing it don't stop. So um, yeah, I think it probably goes both ways. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite cool that the two sides of the, the, the two sides of you guys in the business you know, bringing in different things. Have you got anyone else involved or is it just the two of you at the minute? Yeah, so Henry um, came on as our lead developer um, a few months ago and has sort of radically sped up the business. Right. I kind of wondered what we were doing without him. But for all those months before, um, he's just a kind of pure software developer, no particular background in soil. Um, and it's just been absolutely fantastic at bringing in just like a kind of new energy and also... I hate the word process, but we now like have an actual structure of how we develop, not just what we're going to build, but it's so much slicker and how we check that there aren't a load of bugs that are going to crash the platform when we release stuff to go live. And having before we used to kind of, we were developing stuff and releasing it like once a month or something. We now like pretty much every day there are new features coming out into the platform. It's just, we've just like kind of gone at hyperspeed. So um, Henry's great. And then there's also a couple of other, developers who aren't full-time with us richard who we um is is actually an os works for ordnance survey the mapping people um but does a couple of days a week with us helping out with a lot of the geospatial and kind of 
more um, complex stuff around topography and bringing that in uh, where it's needed for the tool. And then Anastasia, who's in uh, Lviv in Ukraine, um, is like a complete wizard building reporting. So all the kind of, um, yeah, making the exports and, and the reports that, that farmers use the platform for to meet subsidy requirements, making them look really pretty and useful and all the information in a way that's intuitive and not wasting space. She's, I don't know how she does it. It's, um, yeah, so we're, I don't know, there's lots of um, founders you hear talk about. One of the most exciting things about starting a business, you get to employ a lot of people who are a lot cleverer than you. Um, <laughs> and it's a real privilege just to sit here and watch these people who are incredibly good at their jobs. I couldn't do any of what they do. Um, and it's, yeah, just I feel very lucky. What is it they say? One of the most dangerous positions to be in is being the smartest in the room. You always want to surround yourself with folk that you can sort of work up with. That's uh, definitely what, what my day job feels like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lecturer. It shouldn't be the case, but I certainly don't feel like I'm the smartest in the room. I definitely <laughs> don't feel like the smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's the way you want to be, as you say. I feel... Why do I feel like that's someone that I might have not came across but heard about because so I was in I was in Lviv for three days I think as I, I might have told you or might not I can't remember mm. um but there's a the, the reason the guys are out there with own or no they don't own you can't buy land out there if you're not from there but um own a business of renting land if that makes sense yeah and they so far <laughs> what's that they so they they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to farm, but two hundred thousand hectares, give or take. Interesting. Um, yeah, they owned the sort of <clears throat> what would you call it? They owned the ability to rent the ground, and they'd sort of consolidated this massive area into yeah. one business, which they then sold. And then now they've got a starch and potato company at the minute. But um, <laughs> they mentioned someone called Anastasia, which is probably a common name. Um, but with a very similar remit as to what you just said, but that was a very it, it maybe it maybe her. It would be very strange if it was. Have you been out by the way? Out of interest, um, I went out once in my old job. We um, we had there was one. We we had like a we did the accountancy and audits um for like a, a whole variety of companies. Um, I did once the like um. Lords, where um, you know crickets played in London, um, oh, yeah. I did the audit of them, like sitting in a box there, checking all their like ticket numbers and ticket figures. I uh, did the audit for yeah, a whole host of different things. Chelsea Football Club, we did. Wow. Um, and then I heard that there was one farming client in the department, like a big farm in Ukraine. So I like got myself onto that job, and. Um, we like flew out to Kiev and it turned out that they'd literally like a month before we started sold all the farming assets. So we were just like auditing this very complex financial transaction and there was like absolutely no farming involved at all. So that was a bit of a shame. I left quite soon after that. <laughs> well, here it was, I just, it was a beautiful country. It really was. Um, Lviv's obviously a different story to Kiev, but uh, yeah, nice. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's that's mental, and, and it's what two and a half years, three and a half years that you started soil benchmark. Uh, less than that. No, we um. So it was, yeah, so summer twenty twenty two. So eighteen that's months, awesome. give or take. Yeah, Jeez. that's quite rapid. And does it feel like you're on that sort of growth now that it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Is that where you feel at the minute, or? Um. Uh, I hope I hope so. Um. Yeah, it feels like in the last probably two or three months we've sort of 
yeah things have really been ramping up in particular um we so the when we when ben and i started out uh, last summer summer 22 um we were originally building or kind of going around um just farmer to farmer kind of persuading any farmers we could to to work with us didn't know exactly what we were building our offer was pretty much we can build software we're quite interested in soil is there anything we can do to help yeah. um it was it was about that level and so we built some kind of bespoke software for a few um kind farmers who sat down with us explained some of their problems were happy to share some of their data with us as well um and it turned out quite quickly that the people who were most interested in what we these kind of two two strange guys would were, were up to was the were the agronomists on the farms rather than necessarily the farmers themselves yeah um i guess agronomists a lot of their role has has kind of more from just being interested in kind of um you know artificial fertilizer crop protection products into having to understand and explain to their farmer customers soils and how that interrelates with how much fertilizer you should be applying say um you, just, you know if the soil is supplying a certain amount of nitrogen you don't need to waste a load of money on buying that in um so agronomists have turned in or always have been I, I guess these sort of soil experts but that's particularly coming to the fore at the moment as soils kind of come up the agenda in farming um and so yeah we started working with agronomists in particular independent agronomists um and so those who aren't independent agronomists just sell their time basically they aren't uh, paid a commission for selling um for, for the for the products they recommend which is how uh, some agronomists kind of make their money they sell the time for free but you have you pay a commission on the product that you buy through them um and so we we particularly work for the ones who are just um selling their time independent agronomists um or non kind of affiliated to the big this it's about four or five big companies and they have a lot of their own software in-house which is incredibly powerful so we we really focus on the the smaller companies who don't have their own software providers um and so we started working with them but to be honest we still didn't have a sort of one particular product we were kind of doing bits and bobs and um still kind of developing built the building out the platform and then the big break for us was in july i think it was of this year 2023 um i'm sure you've you probably covered with other people or on some of the Nuffield ones post brexit england's well Everyone in the UK, but in England, particularly our focus is getting a whole new subsidy regime. Um, and England's where it's most changed from the old um, the old kind of EU method, um, where you used to just get paid by the land you owned. Uh, the more land you had, the more money you got. Now you're being paid for um, public goods only. And one of the ones that they finally released the detail of this summer was you get paid to have a soil management plan, um, which sounds pretty... Um, detailed and, and potentially quite boring, but it's very important for a farm and how it, you know, having a plan is the first step to looking after your soils a bit better. And with all the detail that you need to put into those about all the different types of risks to your soil and what you're going to do about it, most farmers are going to their agronomist and saying, I quite want the money from the subsidy for this, but can you just pull it together? Because it looks pretty complicated and you're the expert. Um, and so a lot of agronomists in the summer were facing kind of staring down a barrel of a gun of all their farmers saying, oh, you don't mind just whipping up one of these plans for me and thinking, God, these are going to take like a day, each, depending, at least depending on having the farm. There goes my whole Christmas and the rest of the year, given they've got 20, 30, 40 customers each. That's sort of a month of their lives just sort of vanishing for, for no particular money. 
Um, and so we started getting a lot of the agronomists we've been working with saying, these new soil management plans, please, can you fix it? Um, and so we kind of dropped everything and have tried to build some software to help with that very specific problem in particular. Um, and very happy to show it to you another time, but basically the, the software works. You type in just your kind of farm code, every farm in, um, in England, I mean, in Scotland, they have a similar system, but every farm in England has a nine digit code, which is kind of given to you by the government. There's a, an API, so a way that we can use that code to, to download a map of the whole farm. And with that map, we can create a soil management plan that's kind of bespoke field by field. It understands the soil types, the different dangers of where are water courses that soil erosion might run into or how steep are the slopes or yeah, different soil types impact your kind of soil erosion parameters. And so, yeah, this, this product now kind of looks at the risks, gives you some bespoke actions that will help target those risks different for every field and kicks out this plan that Anastasia has built um, that meets the requirements for um to, to get the subsidy. So hopefully for, for everyone down the chain, it's a kind of win. The farmer is getting this money from the government and a plan drawn up quickly. The agronomist isn't having to waste hours and hours of their time drawing up one of these plans by hand and they pay us and, and kind of some of this money goes down the chain. So um, yeah, it's things have really kind of taken off since we, we launched that properly in kind of mid-November. We've just gone through about, I think we're at 115,000 hectares. I checked earlier, something like that um and yeah it's sort of a nice little business that's just starting to properly pick up um so yeah it's been an exciting exciting journey trying to work it out that's like a 75th of scotland is it okay yeah it's i think it's a bit less than um one percent uh maybe just over one percent of england but there's about i think it's something like uh nine thousand hectares of of agricultural land in England. So we've got, we've got quite a long way to go, but yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like we're just on the cusp of something really exciting with, with this. It is, it's, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And it's, it's, it's new, as you say, it's, it's young. Um, it'd be quite cool to see, you know, when we're doing our presentations two years down the line, what stage soil benchmarks that and, <clears throat> and then um, how that's going. Yeah. Uh, which takes us on to Nuffield. Um, why Nuffield? So, um, yeah, my Nuffield is 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 on a kind of um, a very similar topic about this idea of how can good ideas about soil management be shared and and shared widely, um, and what are other countries doing um, to explore that? The kind of original idea for doing it with Nuffield particularly came from um, when I was first starting out. One of these cousins I mentioned who farms. Um, farms up in um, Wigtonshire, right in the sort of southwest of of Scotland, sort of tagged onto the end of kind of Dumfries and Galloway, um, at the end of the the kind of Whithorn Peninsula. And I was staying with them and talking about this mad idea I had about soil and data and could could something be done about it. And Christopher is married to my cousin Emily. Christopher um, said, uh, "Oh, you should chat with." There's this soil scientist from our village. Bear in mind, their village is a hamlet of about four houses on yeah. the end of this peninsula. So it seemed kind of coincidental there was a soil scientist. And he said, he's, I think he's a soil scientist. He's gone off. He's now, I think, in Australia or somewhere. But here's his email and um, get in touch. He might be interesting to talk to. So I sort of, you know, said, thanks very much. Booked in, a, emailed this, this guy, Alex, and, and booked in a call and 
you know, wasn't really sure what to make of it, to be honest. And because he was in Australia, it was sort of 7 a.m. UK time. Yeah. And um, so I got up at whatever, you know, 10 to 7 <laughs> and thought, oh, I better just Google this guy quickly and just check out who he is before I do this call and sort of blow me down, sort of Nobel Prize in soil science, sort of father of digital agronomy. And like, oh, God, this is going to be a long half an hour. <laughs> me sort of just woken up. And um, anyway, somehow managed to to get through it. And Alex has been incredibly kind and 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 talked to me a, a fair bit um, since um, and given me kind of quite a lot of ideas and steers. And one of the things he particularly talked to me about was this kind of system they've developed in Australia where um, governments and academics and state governments, as well as the federal government and farmers and agronomists, all kind of play to play nicely together work together to share ideas about soil and it's been incredibly productive there and australia has had huge amount of damage done to its soils by intensive agriculture but also is um kind of way further forward than us in the uk in terms of thinking about their soils and kind of actively trying to do something about it um and they've got these kind of nice systems for instance where in some cases the government will pay farmers to share soil sample data with academics. And the academics then kind of analyze that at scale, feedback, ideas and insights back to the farmers, but also back to the government. So they have an idea of how are our soils doing in Australia? What should, you know, should we be changing policy? Um, and I just thought that's such a cool system. It makes so much sense. Why, why is that not the case here in the UK? Uh, there's other similar things like that in France as well that I come across. And so I just thought I'd love to explore that. I think there's, potentially could be an interesting one for us as a business to try and work out if and where a, a startup can kind of fit in that ecosystem. But generally, it just was interested in how do you build that ecosystem? How do you get people trusting each other? And actually, since I've since I've been awarded the Nuffield, so many people have said you need to head out to the States as well, because they've got some similar things there with extension networks. So I've, I've kind of added that into my my list. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of where the idea for Nuffield came from. So, do you know, it's funny you were saying that Whithorn is, is not far from me at all. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you were yeah. saying that, and I was like, who's this going to be? And funnily enough, I had Alex in my head, right? Yeah. Because I know a scientist from Whithorn. Alex McBratney. Yeah, yeah. But not that Alex. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I just looked him up. Yeah, no, it was. Um, uh, the well, Whithorn's clearly a yeah, scientific place. For Alex's. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so Australia and the States, anywhere else on the planet? I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Uh, so yeah, France, I definitely want to go to, and then also the Netherlands to Wageningen, um, where they, Same that's there. more on the kind of data side, actually, than the farmer side, but they've got a, lo a lot of really interesting kind of big, big data work on soils that they do in the university there. Um, but France and Australia and and then the US will be really looking into this idea of um, kind of farmers, academics, governments all working together and kind of building that ecosystem of sharing ideas and sharing data. Yeah, yeah. I'm going home. I always say it wrong, Wageningen, Wageningen, Wageningen. I was wrong at the end. <laughs> uh, one of the, well, arguably the and has been for some time best agricultural university in the world. Um, 
I'm planning on going there as well. Oh, cool. Maybe it's we funny. Can it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I don't know. The tricky thing that I'm coming across, right, is I'm doing mine agricultural education and I thought, perfect, I've got loads of holidays, which mm. is when everyone else's holidays are, the whole ah. world round. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, it's going to be a bit tricky. We'll work it out, we'll work it out. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Holland, Holland's an interesting one. We've been to Holland a few times now, um, mm. once on a study tour. And uh, yeah, they're they're proactive in general. You know, it just, I'm not saying we're not, but you know, you just sort of got that vibe that that, that was the case. Um, and the States is it's an interesting one because <clears throat> um, when I first wrote the idea, it was um, Japan, Singapore, Holland and Switzerland, all four of which are still on my list. Mm. I don't want to do Australia. I don't want to do New Zealand. I don't want to do the States. Yeah. I mean, you look into what they're all doing. I'm like, oh. But it's so interesting. <laughs> I got to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, really I think there's a reason it. lots of Nuffields go there. So there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely doing the original four. Um, but uh, yeah, I think. Well, I, I was in the States in, in November, October, November, um, just a week before Nuffield. And uh yeah, what they did with FFA, which is just a big farming youth group in schools. I was like, nah, that's going to be hard to avoid. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm very good. It sounds good. It sounds good. Have you travelled much with with work before? N- no, not at all with um, this guy. I mean, we, we actually haven't really got outside England yet, so we've got, got, got a lot of um, expansion yet to do. Um, I think, yeah, what Wales and Scotland hopefully will be next. We're, we're literally building that as we speak. Um, yeah. But yeah, part of part of what I'm interested to do, and, and the reason I'm happy to take some time out of the business to go into this is, um, yeah, I, from a business perspective, I'm really interested in how this works in France and Australia and the US, and is there scope for something like Soil Benchmark to work there as well? So, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, it will be useful from us from a business perspective to try and see. Yeah, I mean, even even if the answer is no, that will be a lot of a lot of saved effort if um, if it saves us kind of working out more slowly later on. It's, I, I'm just excited about the whole thing, you know. I think I said this yeah. spoke. It's, it's quite a cool thing. Um, we're probably at the the unenjoyable couple of months at the minute, just trying to get it all set up and whatnot. Ah, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping to get to France before we head to Brazil. Actually, oh, are I'm you so Good. close? And just I'm thinking I'm going to do a few different trips there rather than one mega one and just do almost um, you know head out for two or three days at a time because it's yeah. it's relatively easy to to get there. So um, yeah, I might I might try and head out. Excellent. For Brazil as well as um yeah, then do Australia maybe in the early summer in the US in the in the autumn. Yeah, no, sounds good, man. Sounds good. I um I wrote up a study plan like uh way before we'd been I wrote up a study plan before I got in our fields, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It was not in a overconfident way. I just wanted to whatever. And I worked out that in the 90 days between when I met you and the start of August, the other way around, like the August. Yeah, 90 days proceeding, yeah. Yeah, um, I will still do more than I will for all of Nuffield flying. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying you yeah. travelled previously, so uh, no, I think you, you win that you win that competition. Definitely. I don't think it's a competition, man. I mean, I really don't, but uh, yeah, like Yasmin and I had booked tickets to Six, the theatre show about, um, uh, uh, is it? King Henry's wife's is that what it's Henry the Eighth one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. 
Yaz had mentioned it, and I knew know nothing about theatre or anything like that. I thought it was about Big Hero Six. <laughs> Why? I knew nothing about it anyway. Um, we booked to fly down to London in a couple uh, two days after Christmas, and uh, we've actually cancelled it now. And the flying, but I'm not really. I, I quite enjoy the flying, but I was just I kind of just want to stop for a bit, you know. So uh, get the yeah. sleeper train down instead. <laughs> yeah, it'd be quite nice actually. Yeah, might do that. Might do that. But uh, nah, um, here the Nuffield sense class man. Look forward to to sort of following it, and also look forward to getting to know you more as as we sort of go, especially with Brazil. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, very much so. But um, I don't know if you've listened to any of these episodes, but there's two things that no one gets away without leaving, um, and that is answering the question. And do you know what? As with your philosophical mind, you've probably got some <laughs> answer to this, but where do you see yourself in five years? And for people coming into farming, would you have any vi- advice for them? Yeah. So um, in five years' time, I hope, um, yeah, I'll still be running the business with Ben. Um, how big will be, I just was... was kind of trying to look at some of our like forecasts and and models today of where we could be, but I hope we'll be, um, yeah, working with like a really good chunk of, of the UK's agronomists. And then, and then also um, quite a few abroad in other countries as well. Um, And hopefully, yeah, saving them a lot of time, just being a really useful tool they want to log on to all the time. Um, I think the other thing from a business perspective that I'd love to get into is starting to, help other people who are interested in soil so like water companies or it's not just farmers and agronomists who are interested in looking after soil there's lots of other kind of parts of of industry that that really care about looking after our soils and you know whether it's supermarkets or water companies so i'd love it if we could get into that um yeah i i hope that from a kind of a nuffield perspective um i would have learned a bit about yeah how you can kind of build this ecosystem and not even from a soil benchmark perspective but whether it's to do with the HDB or DEFRA or the agricultural universities, you know, Cranfield and Hutton and Rothamsted and places, how can we build this kind of trusting ecosystem where everyone's working together and sharing ideas at scale? Because as much as, you know, a lot of the current ways of farmer knowledge exchange, you know, monitor farms and farmer groups and farm visits all do have a, a role to play and they work they don't necessarily have to scale to share really good ideas really quickly. And on the other direction, you know, if farmers weekly or one of these big farming magazines or a podcast can get a lot of, you know, they can reach a lot of people, but they don't necessarily help with that kind of like specificity of what do I actually do on this field? And you get that classic farmers complaint that, Oh, well, it's not going to work on my farm. And so like, how can we bridge that divide of like getting scale and really looking after our soils better? Um, across the whole country but making sure that the kind of that help and advice and ideas are really specific and people know what they actually need to do on each individual field so yeah if we could have started to turn the dial on that whether it's from policy or hdb or whatever it is um that would make me very happy yeah that sounds brilliant and that that sort of cross um uptake is something i want to do with mine is come back Mm. and get universities to speak to each other a bit more yeah Um, yeah it's got to be good does it not it's got to be a good thing i think so and that's what actually what most academics want to do and it's yeah, yeah. it's it's just it fits um your other question i think was about um people coming into farming is that is that right yeah. um that's a really tricky question i certainly don't feel like in a in a position to to hand out much advice because i'm still trying to work it out um a lot a lot of it myself um yeah, I think the main thing I, I learned quite quickly in starting the business that's maybe relevant is 
most people are incredibly willing to help and you're always better just asking them now there's a lot of particularly at the start I thought oh let's wait a few more months until we've worked our ideas out more and we'll be more ready to ask this person and actually every time that I just got in touch with them or I was someone put me in touch with them straight away they were incredibly helpful and then I got in touch with them again in three months anyway with a better set of questions so just don't delay and don't say, oh, I'll just get ready. I'll just get in touch with them in a few months when I'm ready. Just get in touch with everyone now. They're usually pretty happy to help. And if they're not, they probably weren't going to be very helpful anyway. So just just get on with it. It's a friendly sector, man. It really is. It's, there's issues as there is everywhere. But yeah, I would agree entirely. I would completely agree. Um, dear Tom, it's been a good one. It's been interesting. I didn't expect to be talking about worship and religion. Uh, <laughs> I expected to be talking about soil and we definitely done that. Um, we definitely sorry i probably bored you on the topic of soil but as you can tell if you, if you let me get on to it i'm quite hard to stop well it's it's funny um in the office we've sort of got like you know crop lectures livestock lectures and when i say i'm an agricultural lecturer they're like the next question is what do you teach crops or livestock and i'm like oh kind of i'm kind of weird <laughs> i teach a wee bit of sort of uh, reproductive endocrinology in the livestock side but for the most part i teach like uh, sort of uh, like CPD food security and then a bit of like little skills and stuff, which is a massive thing now. You know, it's, it's yeah. all sort of around the back. Yeah, yeah. The thing I'm really not great on is 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 uh, is the soil side. So you sort of sit and chat in the office, and I'm like so behind. So I really enjoy it. It's useful. It means I can maybe Gemma, if you're listening, it means I can actually pretend I know what I'm talking about when we come back <laughs> for the Christmas for a few days. I can say some of the things you said and pretend I know them. Um, so no, appreciate you coming on, Tom, and uh, uh, it's it's been a good episode. I hope you've enjoyed it yourself. It's been great, Wallace. Thanks so much. Yeah, been really fun. Yeah, good man, good. And um, for those listening, I hope you've enjoyed that uh, episode with Tom. Next one, obviously, as we're saying, uh, is with uh, Stevie Nichol, ex well, not ex European Cup winner. He's always won it. He's just not the current holder of it. Um, so yeah, from soil to football from cars i mean there really is everything on this podcast these days um we're currently releasing eight a month i have got the bug of doing um two days of two episodes uh, throughout the week which means i can go up to 10 episodes a month <laughs> i want to hold off but that's the sort of current thoughts at the minute uh, so we'll see what's happening um, Yasmin's maybe an earshot and given we're quite new into this relationship she's probably like why don't you just put it down to one and we can actually see each other for once but uh, yeah really enjoying it really speaking to some fantastic folk and I see the the Nuffield International cohort has just been released with folk from Australia the States Chile and somewhere else so I might try and sort of speak to them as well um, but yeah Tom have a good Christmas New Year um, thank you for coming on and for those listening that's going to be a very confusing message because this is coming out at the end of January but we're filming it just before Christmas we're about three days away at the minute um, I hope you've evolved a good Christmas New Year and uh, we shall see you for the next episode number 170 with Stevie Nichol see you then cheers Wallace thanks I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2 cast as much as I have and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural and I'll see you for the next episode.